Today, we chat to Global Events Manager for Jaguar Land Rover, Louise Taylor. Louise served as AU President in 2007-8 and went on to work for the Professional Cricketers Association, most recently as their Events and Fundraising Manager for taking up her role at Jaguar. Now living in Dublin with her husband, fellow Exeter alumni, we chat working with cricketing icon Kevin Peterson, Louise's first-hand experience of John Inverdale's charm, isn't she a lucky one, and how much Louise has missed the workplace while looking after her two young children. You might be able to hear the baby monitor in the course of the podcast. Fascinating conversation from such a well-travelled, but also just down-to-earth, lovely human. Check it out. Hello and welcome to the first Press Pause podcast, series one. We've got a very special guest with us today, uh, <laughs> Louise Taylor, sport and exercise science graduate uh, from 2007. Louise, good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for inviting me on. Uh, my... is a long time ago. Um, <laughs> I was Louise Michael by then, so there we go. A lot has changed, a lot has changed, but you were you were AU president as well, weren't you, after graduating? Yeah, 2007, 8 AU president, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so following, well, you're following in the steps, but it was probably the best year. Well, I'm sure we'll come on to that later, but absolutely amazing year. So we'll dive straight in and cast your mind back all those years ago to... 2000 and the early noughties even wow yeah, <laughs> show and all of that so why why did you choose Exeter all those many moons ago so oh gosh it was a really really long time ago um I remember I so I wanted to at, at that stage I wanted to go into the RAF and I wanted to be a physical education officer so one of the prerequisites of that career um was to have a, a degree in sports of some sort or um, biology. So I chose sports science. I was really into my sports at school. Um, and there was sort of the great sporting universities, you know, your, your Loughboroughs, your Lukes, um, your UX, your Borough Roads, as it was back then. Now it's um, in London. Um, and I sort of went went to most of them, visited them all. And originally, actually, I, I put myself down for Loughborough. <laughs> Can I say that out loud? <laughs> Choking as I say it. Um, but you know what? I went there and I just thought, I was just a bit soulless. Everyone was just so serious. And I remember going to Luke's and uh, walking in the gates, walking through onto the quad and everyone was playing tennis. And it was just this amazing atmosphere of, of really happy people who just seemed to have this amazing community. Um, and I, I'm not even sure on that day whether I went to the main campus, whether it was just around St. Luke's, but I just remember thinking this, this place is more than just a place to study it's a place to live a place to meet people and I could really see myself fitting in there so um I guess yeah I chose Exeter for the the feeling I had rather than necessarily the like pure academia obviously it was well regarded but yeah it was just uh it just felt like the right place to be to be honest so that first memory and experience was an entirely positive one then you were you were sold from love at first sight Absolutely. Love at first sight. Um, and then that kind of, I guess, continued. So then I went away and did a ski season, came back and started uni, which was a bit of a weird transition, having been away and being so independent, then feel like you were coming back to being a little bit more um, controlled and managed. Um, I just remember my parents dropped me off that day and 
uh, you sort of sat in your room about twiddling your thumbs thinking what do I do next there was a knock at the door and um, some I can't even remember who it was at the time they said right come on we're going to the pub that was it I think there are thousands of students who have been had that same start to their to their career a very happy one I might add <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so reflecting kind of going through um and looking at your your time there um what was the best year of though of that of that short period mm. you see I'm gonna I'm gonna controversially say my fourth year was my best year um I'm not a gifted academic. I have to work really hard to get results. Um, and not that that was an issue, but I, I found I found you need like the actual studying aspect you need very challenging. Um, I loved the sport aspect. I loved the social aspect and everything else. But I think the fourth year when I was a president, it gave me a real purpose, and um, I sort of touched on it. I was heavily involved in the running of the hockey club and um, being on the committee before I was president. But it just gave me the opportunity to have a routine to get my get my hands dirty get stuck in working in an amazing team with Charlotte who's still there today and then at the time it was just the uh, the accounts person as well so three girls in an office a lot of the staff are still there like beef and and the guys up at the sports hall and it was just a real sense of belonging and purpose um but I suppose although I loved my time at uni I really enjoyed being amongst the students but having a job the, the other yeah. three years were great don't get me wrong but it, I just really enjoyed having that structure and doing something that I, I felt like I was naturally good at rather than um, kind of really pushing through all the academia. I think there is something really rewarding about having that year at the end when you finish your studying and you can just kind of give back and take a take more of a holistic view of everything that's that's going on and just enjoy it for a year before stepping yeah. off into the big wide world. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. It's a, re- it's a perfect bridge, uh, absolutely, to, to the real world as such <laughs> maybe not so much this year but, but that's yeah, that's for another podcast perhaps um so <laughs> what what clubs were you a part of when when you were in Exeter what, what did you spend your time doing um so I was uh, in the hockey club not a great not a great athlete a try-hard athlete um so I was in the two second team um so it's still a good standard and we still trained a couple of times a week um and we still obviously played once a week I didn't join an external club that that was just a bit too much for me um I wanted to enjoy my time as well um and yeah I kind of got stuck straight into the hockey club and kind of managed to get persuaded to be a club captain and social sec and all all the other sort of things that came with it um so that was great and then to be honest I don't really I didn't join up to many other clubs as such I really randomly had a job um I worked in a little deli down the road from Luke's so I used to get up at six in the morning and go and bake bread <laughs> for my sins so I do sort of like six until nine baking bread and croissants in this little deli and then I go back into the lectures and everyone would be like oh what's that smell that'll be, be me smelling the bread um but yeah it's uh, I kind of I feel like I had quite a, a well-rounded uni life having mm. that sort of touch with the outside world with the job and then with the sports side and the studying side as well so a bit of everything really a healthy a healthy diet of bread and hockey you, you can't go wrong can't okay. go wrong with that absolutely absolutely <laughs> there were many mornings where I would rock up to to the deli still wearing the fancy dress outfit from the night before um and they were just they were really nice people who just just used to laugh at me and sort of pass me an alka-seltzer and let me get on with it <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure they missed you once, once you were gone. 
<laughs> so what was what's the reputation of Exeter like back back in that back in that time about 15 years ago now do you think it's much different to to how it is now as sort of the um the peak of the UK's kind of sporting um ability and an expertise yeah I'd say uh thanks to the the number there 15 years ago 16 years ago uh we were we were well guarded for sure um I'd say each year it's sort of you get maybe one or two one or two golds a couple of silvers a couple of bronze so I think we were about 10th and the, the, it was booster back then now it's bucks um so we we're about 10th uh, so yeah well regarded but you know it was never never guaranteed our men's hockey team were particularly strong but again men's rugby team quite strong the women's rugby team were the real champs at that time uh, my housemate was in the women's rugby team so um yeah it was it was on the upward trajectory for sure. And everything was getting a little bit more serious. We had the high performance coaching and that was all being taken very seriously in the, in the scholarships. And um, I feel like once I'd left, things kind of ramped up quite a lot from there. And in terms of the academia, again, I think it's probably held in higher, even higher regard now. Um, so yeah, exciting. It's, it's lovely. I, I always remember someone saying, you know, where you go to uni will stick with you for life because people will, you know, if your uni goes downwards, people will be like, oh, they went to that place. Whereas if it goes up, which Exeter has done, everyone's like, oh, they went to Exeter, great. And, <laughs> so, you know, it's a, it's a nice club to be part of, for sure. And you referred to Booster there. Charlotte Raymond was uh, was telling me yesterday that you you had the pleasure of meeting John Infidel at Booster Awards evening on <laughs> one occasion, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Charlotte and I had a lot of fun together. Um, back in the day and um, yeah we we had the Booster Awards dinner in London and he I remember him just saying to us oh the extra girls are in town it's going to be a big night. Talking of talking of stories um, I asked you to to come up with um, or to tell us something from from your time that was a little embarrassing I hope you haven't dulled it down too much for us but but what what have you come up with come up with this morning? I mean, there are some unmentionables, which anyone who listens to this who knows me will know what they are. Um, so I <laughs> I had a lovely car when I was at university. It was a Renault 5. And you youngsters might even not even know what a Renault 5 was, but Google it. And it's um, it's a real treat for the eyes. People refer to it as like an up, uh, upside down skip, really square. And um, that car and I had a love affair that lasted many years, but it, it was constantly um, breaking down. I was locking myself out of it, leaving the lights on. And fortunately, the extra uh, sports hall was at the top of a big hill. So it was a, a well-known fact that they get a knock on the door. Uh, it's, it's Lou Michael here. She's uh, left the lights on. Her car's run out of battery. And they used to bump start me down the hill. So I'd get in the car. And I, I didn't know how to do it back then, but they told me how to do it, you know, put it into second, put your foot in the clutch. And then whoever it was, it could be like, you know, the men's rugby team, it could be reception. And they just give me a good run up and push me down the hill in the car and off I'd go, car would start, see you later and off i go. So that was often quite embarrassing, uh, depending on who was around and who had to push me in my car down the hill. Yeah, I, I can't imagine sort of the hockey club captains of nowadays really getting away with that without too much stick to be honest so exactly but you know fair play she got up those hills for four years so she did well good well yeah I mean I know talk to me about hills driving a Fiat 500 round round Exeter certainly we have that in common Louise um yeah 
very very uh, hilly part of the world to say the least. But on Exeter, and now that a little bit of time passed, uh, say your reflections time. Yeah, hugely nostalgic, I guess. Just all fond memories. Um, um, it really brought it back to the last couple of weeks and I started talking to Charlotte and then spoke to you last week as well. And, you know, I mean, ultimately, I, I met my husband at, at Exeter. You know, we met at the end of our first year. So, I mean, we've been together a very long time and some of my best friends uh, also still, we met down at Exeter. So just so many happy memories and just so carefree. It's almost like thinking back to like Disneyland or this magical place that definitely doesn't exist anymore with two small children and um, being a full, a full adult. Um, so it just, you know, when you, you look back at it, it really is the time of your life. It's that perfect culmination of having pretty much as much freedom as you want um, without the serious pressures of being a full grown up. And it really is the dream. I mean, right now, I, I take going out for a meal as a, an amazing opportunity. So it wouldn't take much, but gosh, the things we used to all get up to. And I just hope for all the students that that there at the moment that they can have that experience again, because I know it's been a really tough 12 months for them. And I just feel desperately sorry for the fact that they've had that freedom and opportunity taken away from them. And I'm, I have no doubt it will return um, sort of 80% capacity, maybe. I don't know. But I really hope that they get to have that time and, and they have those memories of such an amazing place. And have you been back much since graduating? Have you taken a chance to go back to that um, magical <laughs> place? <laughs> um, I was invited back for a few. So the AU dinner used to be this um, wild affair that was held in the Great Hall. Does the Great Hall still exist? The Great Hall does still exist. It's only, it's only rolled out for very special occasions, though. Okay, the AU so dinner, we're... <laughs> so it used to be like 400 rowdy students packed into this hall, all sat down around tables in um, black tie dresses, having a three-course meal. God, I feel so sorry for the Guild staff that used to used to look after us. Um, you know, on stage, big, big dramatic evening. So I was invited back to a couple of those. And then I think maybe three or four years after I left, it, it changed the format slightly. Um, but I was, I had one particular memory of, you know, I'd left uni, I lived in London and I was invited back. It was very exciting and still thinking that I could muck in with the students of the day. And I think it was maybe was Simon Tyson's year. Um, I ended up down in the Lemmy afterwards um, and I, <laughs> and my husband and boyfriend at the time had to call one of his friends and said, I think you need to go collect Lou. She's, uh, she thinks she's still a student and she definitely can't handle it. And um, so, yeah, Bernard, a good friend of ours, had to come. He was doing a PhD at the time, so he was still there. I think he was there for about nine years. Uh, had to come, basically put me over his shoulder and carry me out. <laughs> So I definitely couldn't handle it, but still more fond memories when I went back, but just um, usually got out of hand, didn't it? Yeah, well, the Lemmy, the Lemmy hasn't changed one bit. Um, I can I can tell you that for free. Um, but but more, more away from the um, from the perhaps that side of of Exeter and looking back to the hockey club and kind of the sporting um, career that you had in Exeter. Are there any? skills that you think you picked up that really stood you in good stead for what you went on as we'll discuss shortly what you've gone on to achieve since Exeter yeah I think I think just getting involved like I said before like diversifying your experience and getting involved in something outside of just sort of studying and going out 
uh, is really, really important. So whether that's, you know, joining the podcast society or the all the wonderful societies that are out there or all the sports clubs, even just getting into the routine of turning up for training and turning up for match days and actually having the discipline of I, I'm playing on Wednesday, I'm not going out on the Tuesday. It sounds really stupid, but they're so transferable to the real life. Yeah, I'd love to drink two bottles of wine on a Sunday night. Actually, I've got to go to work, so that's not going to be possible. So that's all. it all begins that transition, doesn't it, into this is what I could do and this is what I want to do, but actually this is the sensible thing to do, which not all students do, but you know what I mean. Um, and then I think once you're in those uh, clubs and societies, that just some of the simple roles that you can take on. So I'll always remember a social sec, sorting out the, do you still call it stash? Sorting out the stash order, sorting out all the, all yeah. the clothing. I mean, that's incredible. Like for 100, 100 girls, all sending in different sizes, they're all having their initials put on the back of all this stuff. And, you know, what was I like, 19, 20? Just trying to go through that, you know, speaking to suppliers, getting all that printed, taking in the money. and. So the most basic of jobs really is actually a huge learning curve and a lot more practical than what you're going to be learning um, in the lecture room, really. Um, and then gradually going on to committees and starting to talk to, I always remember the AE committee, there's a, a lovely chap, I don't know if you, if you still know him, called Bruce Coleman, if he's still involved. Mm -hmm. but Bruce, Bruce would come up and he'd sit there with all us youngsters and he just had such a wealth of knowledge and an amazing charisma and um, we used to love talking to him and learning about what he'd done. And so I think it just opens up opportunities to be around the, the adults as well and um, to learn from them and best practice. So taking those opportunities and um, not thinking, oh, I'm too busy for them, because trust me, as a student, you are too busy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's there, there is just so much to to get involved in. As as you say, there's there's things that you pick up that you're probably not even aware that you are skills that you're you're learning and that you can take forward into into later life. So um, definitely a reason and an incentive to get more involved in in sport going forwards. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So then, obviously, the the you've had to part ways with the magical land that was Exeter um, and go into the real world clearly with a lot of different experiences um, that have kind of moulded you um, from Exeter but tell us about what you did and where you went after Exeter. The surprising I didn't turn out to be a baker um, although it was something I, <laughs> fire. Uh, I went so I, I was very lucky that I managed to secure a job before leaving um, the AU role so I went to work for the Professional Cricketers Association um, who are effectively the players union for all cricketers past present and, and future so it's a not a non-profit making organization um, so if any players like I say current players future players past players get into trouble they look after them they're involved in a lot of training as well um, there's the equivalent in whether it's the PFA or the RFU RFA like the equivalent across a lot of different sports I wasn't a particular big cricket fan at the time, I suppose, but it was a really great role to go into. So I was um, fundraising coordinator there. So using a lot of my experience, mainly from the AU year, but generally, of, you know, throughout uni doing some fundraising and just coming up with some fun and interesting ideas uh, to raise some money for them. Obviously, a lot of dinners, a lot of golfing events. But again, like all the skills that I'd learned were so uh, important and, and so transferable. Um, so I did that for a few years and then I widened the role there um, and became sort of head of events and fundraising. So it was quite a joined role, really. 
Um, I was there for about five years working mainly at the Oval Cricket Ground. Absolutely brilliant times. Again, really happy memories. Um, just building on the experience I had. Um, met some great people, um, some great cricketers, some not so great cricketers. Um, on the whole, really, on the whole, really good fun. And it was kind of a bit like that whole uni environment of all the old boys and um, because you're working with sports people, sports people have a wonderful way of most of them staying fairly grounded and um, just being lovely people to be around. So I wasn't working Canary Wharf in a, a corporate banking environment. I was still working amongst like fellow sports enthusiasts. So that was really nice. Um, and I guess after five years there, I thought I should probably move on. Although there's still people who work there now that were there when I was. Um, and Jaguar had just become one of the sponsors of the England cricket team and they were doing really exciting things bringing out some really nice new cars and I thought okay that's that's something I'm interested in and then um global events manager role came up with Jaguar Land Rover so I went for it but it was again like one of those classic things or I will never even be considered for it but I did it I remember at the time I think it was my sister who said to me um women are statistically much less likely to go for a role that they don't they don't think they're good enough for the men men will see a role and they will go yeah I can do that and they'll sort of talk their way through mm. the interviews mm. and just go for it and I thought do you know what yeah you're right so I just went for it um and I got this role and it was a massive change it was based in Coventry and um, huge corporate environment you know at the time I think it was 35,000 people working for Jaguar Land Rover um and I suppose that was a real making of me in in the workplace um because it was just it was proper work it was proper hard work um really tough big big budgets big meetings serious stuff uh, although I always maintain that you know no one's losing a life it's not that serious you know you need to kind of keep perspective but we did some amazing launch events there um really exciting times especially for Jaguar and, and came out coming out to Land Rover but still linking it all back to all the things I learned right back at the start really and just just all those people skills that you learn you, you, mm. you don't realize that you're picking up um and I was I was there for another five or so years and I'm sure we'll talk about where I am now in a little while but um very fond memories of, of being there and traveling the world it sounds a lot more glamorous definitely than it was um <laughs> but it was still a great opportunity mm. well you now that you've said it i'm gonna i'm gonna have to ask i'm not gonna ask for the worst cricketer or in your opinion that you've met but who who is at the top of the list in terms of caliber of uh of cricketers that you had the pleasure of coming across Oh, we were, I mean, we were really lucky to do dinners with the whole England team and then also work with sort of like the whole Sky commentary team, you know, your NASA's, et cetera. And they, on the whole, they were absolutely charming. We have we have one situation with, with Kevin Peterson, who, again, lovely chap, but he, they were just about to do these big dinners, um, sort of farewell dinners, we called them. They were just about to go on tour. Um, and it must be a very stressful time. They're going to be away from their families for months and months and they're doing a dinner in front of like 500 people who all want their autograph, all these drunk corporates. Um, and actually all they want to do is probably be with their kids and their, and their wife mm -hmm. before they go away. And I can see that now as, as a, a wife and a mother. But back at the time, I was like, I just need you all to sit still for this photo. <laughs> we spent £3,000 to have this photo taken with you before you fly off to Australia. Um, and a few of them threw their toys out of the pram at those, those sort of events. But I could totally under understand now why um because of the emotional aspect of, of what we are really asking them to do no that makes that makes total sense um so barring 
Kevin Peterson. Uh, what would you say your greatest challenge or toughest moment in that um, kind of through role within cricket and then maybe within Jaguar too? Is there is there anything that stands out as being a particularly kind of trying trying moment? Uh, yeah, we were talking about that last night. I think probably um, the greatest challenge is for me personally, um, two years ago we moved to Dublin. So we were living in St Albans, um, just north of London, and my husband got a great job opportunity and um, we, we moved over to Dublin. I was due to go back from my first maternity leave to Jaguar Land Rover and we made, after long discussions, the decision to move over here with our young daughter at the time which meant for me I suppose I don't like to use the word giving up but I suppose I did um making the decision to step away from a career that I'd spent you know 12 or so years building uh, to come out here and knowing that I'd have to start again um so I suppose that personally is the hardest thing I, I've done I absolutely love being a mum I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old um that is the hardest job in the world, 100%. But mm. I really, I really, really miss, uh, I really miss the workplace. I really miss using my brain for what I truly enjoy doing, which is organising. And um, so I think that would be my next big challenge is to get back into the workplace. It's a very difficult, different and difficult world at the moment to do that in. So I think that that's going to be very interesting. But um, I think, yeah, it's, it's it's very difficult. And I know a lot of people at the moment are going through their own challenges. And I don't think um, anyone is particularly harder than the other, whether it's being a, a mum with young kids at home and not being able to go anywhere or a student whose eyes are going square from the number of Zoom meetings and Zoom lectures you have um, or being isolated from your family. Everyone's having a really tough time. So um, fingers crossed we can all come out of it positively. I certainly didn't know we were going to have a global pandemic when we moved uh, over here. So we'll see well and obviously one of the, the greatest things to come out of the pandemic is this podcast so we've, we've got yeah, some things yeah. to, be, <laughs> to exactly. be thankful for um but talking of you know the pandemic and, and the last year um I'm, I'm gonna ask all our guests is there a podcast or a book that you've picked up in that time that you would highly recommend to our listeners Okay, this is a shameless plug. It's a, it's a bit of a joke. My my lovely father-in-law has has written a book. Um, so uh, my uh, his name is Adrian Taylor. It's called It's More Than It's More Than a Game, and it's um it's a sporting book. So a lifelong Leeds United fan, um, and it basically talks. So Le- if you are or aren't aware, Leeds United got promoted last year after I think it's sixteen years of hurt. Practically the whole time I've been with my husband, and um, so it's uh, Adrian's account of the year. Um, his family, his highs, his lows, his coronavirus experiences and Leeds getting promoted. So um, it is his first book, uh, but it's a lovely read. And I think it, it really encapsulates that, that wonderful relationship that we have with sport. So it's not just a famous plug because it is relevant to what we're talking about today um, and just how sport does run through a lifetime and whether it's a passion that you have connected to a team or whether it's your own passion and how much of an uplifting experience that can be to have in your life so I'm not saying necessarily go on Amazon and buy it but you can Adrian Taylor it's more it's more than a game um other than that I um to be honest I haven't read a book for many years because I don't have the time (laughs) um and I do need to get into podcasts more so I will be listening to your podcast to get more recommendations from uh whoever else you talk to to what I can listen to 
Oh, the flattery, Louise. You don't, you don't, you don't need to do that. <laughs> I'll, I'll just send, send you them at the end and you can save yourself the time. Um, but no, I think that's, that's a, a really good, really good point you make about the relationship that we've probably lost with sport over the last year and that um that sense of being part of a sporting community in your father-in-law's case following Leeds um I think a lot of students will relate to that being so separate and distant this year not spending so much time training with their club um or anything like that it's been it's been a difficult year but I'm sure um there are more positive um times to come yeah for sure so any words of wisdom for a fresher <laughs> if they were turning up at Exeter in September they they just finished their A-levels um bless them in in the midst of a pandemic um and they're looking to develop both their sort of sporting and, and wider career ambitions through university what would you say to someone who is about to embark on that that special journey in the next three years wow good question um, I'd say firstly enjoy it it's your it's your last bit of freedom maybe your first for some and your last for others um, before the big wide world gobbles you up and you have responsibilities so absolutely enjoy it um, but also I'd say get involved in more than just studying because the number of CVs I've looked at since I've graduated where someone has just got a degree um, think about think about what you look at look like as a package to the outside world so if someone's graduated from Exeter yeah you're gonna look great on a CV you've got your first well done but what else have you done you know what clubs have you been part of what what fundraisers have you been involved in you don't have to head it up you could just put your hand up and say yeah I'll get involved I'll shake a bucket I'll do something else I think for me as a prospective employer when I was looking at those CVs it was those extra things that stood out as well as, okay, great, you're obviously an academic. Um, so think about that as you go through, not every day, but just have a have a check-in with yourself once a term, maybe. What have I done? What can I show a prospective employer? Um, and, and what can you do outside of uni as well? Because I think some people get so bubbled up in that like little extra bubble. Extra is such a great place. There's so many great things you can do, places you can visit. Don't forget to go down to Dartmoor. Don't go forget to go to Exmouth and have fish and chips on the beach. Like get out there and enjoy it. It's a beautiful, beautiful part of the world um, to be part in, a part of. So just yeah, embrace everything that it has to offer. Don't be too narrow-minded and tunnel visioned. I know uni costs a lot more these days than it did when I was there, but try and still enjoy it as an all-round experience. And you can always get involved in a deli too, as well, just to uh, pass the time. But I yeah. think you raise, you raise a good point. You don't you don't just need to be a, a club captain or a, um, someone in a position of leadership to be able to learn something and to be able to pick up some some skills. It's just joining that club or society can make a massive difference. And the friends that you'll gain and the experiences that you'll pick up will stand you in really good stead, and, and there'll be some amazing memories too. So. Um, Whatever level, whatever capacity, I'm sure you'd agree, get involved. Is that right? Absolutely. Get involved. Obviously, at the start, just kind of throw yourself into everything. But then as you start to realise your strengths, um, perhaps start to focus in on things that you're really good at and things that you really enjoy. Um, maybe maybe you don't have heavy feet too many pools. Try and stick to a couple of uh, stronger ones and follow them through. And finally... Louise for our discussion today 
you have been invited to the Green Army Last Supper. So where in Exeter are you going to host it? And who are your five dinner guests going to be? Dead or alive? Fact or fiction? This is a really, really hard question. Firstly, because I think in my four years of being at university, I only had about four meals out um, rather than going to Timepiece or Arena or elsewhere. But one place that we were talking about last night, one place I did remember was the old firehouse. Does that still exist? Yes, yes. It's an absolute staple. Absolute staple. Perfect. So you get a really good lasagna for a fiver. They had a bit lasagna. of lasagna. Yeah, it's like, it, like hearty food. Candles, did they like lots of candles and wine glasses? Lots of candles. Yeah. It's, it's now very pizza, firehouse and pizza are synonymous now. I don't know if that was the case in your time, but yes, you could get a good pizza there. But I do remember the, the like baked lasagna was particularly good. Um, but that was one of the places I would I would think to go for a sort of at, at the time. I really nice <laughs> <laughs> um, got and then five people. This is a really, really tough question. So um I tried to think about a selection of people. So I'm gonna start with um an extra connection i'm going to invite floella floella benjamin a former chancellor of the university i think she you know things were needing to be picked up she had a bit of song a bit of dance a bit of mm-hmm. movement um then wg grace uh probably the, the greatest cricketer of all time uh my husband told me the other day that he once he was once given out in a game and he told the umpire people are here to see me not you <laughs> So as well as being a great cricketer, he also had the gift of the gab. So he can come. Um, then I'm going to go for a strong female, uh, Dame Ellen MacArthur. So she was mm. uh, at once the record holder for the solo circumnavigation of the globe. Um, I just think she'd have some amazing stories like to do that and what she went through. And um, again, at the moment, mental health. And I think she's got a strong mind. I think she'd be good. She'd be good to kind of anchor that dinner in. Uh, Harry Potter was number four. Uh, again, I feel like he, he went through a lot. He deserves a nice pizza and a, and a glass of wine. And um, I did read a lot of Harry Potter whilst at university. It was my something I just really enjoyed doing. It, you probably would think it, but there we go. Um, and then finally, just for a bit of eye candy, Brad Pitt's coming along. But not, <laughs> not Brad Pitt today. We're talking 1990s, talking Fight Club. He can come. Perfect. But, well, you've got a, a real diverse mix there, a lot of different characters. I might have to... Um, take issue with your W Grace assertion. I think Jack Leach might have something to say about, about being the greatest <laughs> cricketer of all time. Um, but I'm sure that would make for a, a pleasing, pleasing evening. And I and I really hope that they enjoy their lasagna. Me too. <laughs> and then we'll head over to timepiece afterwards. We'll see who's uh, who's the last one standing. As is right, as is only right. Well, Louise, it has been such an enormous pleasure chatting to you and thank you so much for being the first guest on our podcast I hope it hasn't been too intimidating too overwhelming no fine I just hope that someone enjoys listening to it sorry sorry for them to have to listen to me ramble away reminiscing of old times there's been there's been a lot of great insight there and and I think a lot that I've I've learned particularly kind of reflecting on um the experiences that that I've had and appreciating more um what I've done, but also making the most of what's left in in Exeter. As that's what this is all about, really. This campaign is is remembering how great and special Exeter is, and and not losing sight of that um, at the moment. So, 
Louise, I know you've got, got a baby to attend to, so I will, <laughs> I will leave you to, to, to take care of that. But thank you so much again for um, coming on today and, and chatting to us. And it's been a pleasure um, hearing from you. Thanks for having me. Thank you.